All right, hey guys, welcome back to Starlight. This is the last Q&A for season one before we take a little bit of a break and move into season two. Uh, if you wanna know about when we're gonna jump into season two, go ahead and look at our uh, social media. There'll be announcements on there. As of right now, we are all taking a little bit of a break. We're, get, we're doing some recording behind the scenes and getting caught up ahead, but yeah, there's going to be a little bit of a lull, so enjoy this last tantalizing bit of info. And as we dive into not only the finale, Burning Skies, but all of season one, which was focused on bringing the players together in the search for the Sunmaker and maybe some friendship? Um, which neither of which probably were achieved, maybe between Alice and Clive, but that's, that's to be discussed. But before we jump in, uh, I would like to say, if you don't know who I am, I don't know why you're starting here, and you probably should go back a few episodes, but <laughs> I'm Isaac Yorks, your host and GM, and I would like to introduce... I'm Courtney, and I have played McKenna Ali throughout season one. May she rest in peace. Yeah, I guess not yeah. people know. Rip McKenna... I am Sam Williams, and I played Clive Jensen all through season one, and will continue to play Clive Jensen through season two. I'm Nathan. I play Atlas season one, two, or three. Strongest in the universe. Strongest. Yeah. In the universe. Yeah. <laughs> We're never going to let that go. <laughs> <laughs> and before we get super far into this, I would like to give a quick shout out to our season one sponsor, uh, Loki Battle Mats. We have recently hit over a hundred followers on our Instagram and we will be doing a show giveaway that's going to include some kind of link. So go ahead and take a look in the show notes to see how you can enter to win. Um, but that will have all of the instructions and the award for that is actually going to be a beautiful set of battle mats from our season one sponsor, Loki Battle Mats. If you have not heard of them, they are a wonderful content creator who they, they make beautifully crafted artisanal maps for all of your battles and scenes and setups. And they are in these books that can be mishmashed together to set up different scenes. And uh, it's pretty awesome. They're pretty usable. They have everything from cyberpunk to sci-fi space opera to fantasy. And the one we're giving away is going to be volume two of their big book of fantasy maps. And then we have been in the works, behind the scenes, working on a second sponsor. And it's popped up a little bit here or there, but if you haven't been paying attention, you haven't heard, but that is the Heroes Journal. We are a Seattle area based podcast. And with the odd person in California, don't know why he's out there. Should be up here with us hanging out, but that's fine. But, um, the Heroes Journal is a Kirkland-based, Kirkland, Washington-based uh, notebook, and they make all of your journaling, all of your planning, super easy and in a fun format. In fact, why am I talking about it? Well, this little commercial is going to tell you a little bit more. Future Isaac, please, cue it. The following events took place somewhere in warp speed. Between this place and there, aboard the C2, all is dark, except for the glow of a neon red lava lamp. 
All is quiet, except for... Hmm, morning meditation complete. Check. Yes. I got breakfast done. Check. And... <gasps> oh, is that bloodstain? Atlas! Like I was saying, Atlas... What's wrong, McKenna? You, you look like you're about to explode. That's because I am about to explode. Atlas got blood all over my hero's journal. Okay, here we go again. We kill things, McKenna. It's what we do. What do you want me to do? Wrap our enemies' wounds after I cut them in half? Yes! Now hold up, hold up. Hero's journal? What entire nation is that? Do you actually think you're a hero? <gasps> yes. Why wouldn't I? Because even if I didn't, this journal would certainly help me to become the hero of my own story. This is Rich. Please explain. Fine. I will. The Hero's Journal is a beautiful way to practice gratitude and get things done. Look, as you can see in this easily made format, I was able to begin the day just right by following along in their gratitude section. Actually, today, I was grateful for you, Atlas. Wow, what an easy way to format your day and increase productivity. Look, I've been writing my to-do list on my arm. Uh, visit that beautiful old lady at Sanctuary, find Horace, learn to dance. I like how you can not only create a schedule and follow the ranking system for the day's most important ones, but the art really makes it like a comic book adventure. I know, isn't the art so cute and fun? Oh. Who cares about cute and fun? The world's made of pain, not cute and fun. Whoa, boy, now see here. Here's a section you might like. It's goal setting in the short term and the long term with reflections. Let me see that. Hmm, I hate to say it, but this might have tactical uses. Yes, yes, I need to. I need to fulfill my mission, get stronger, and find my sworn enemy. And the pictures are kinda cute and fun. I am spending too much time with them. Ah, uh, hey, um, Atlas, that is my journal. If you can um, get it, um, okay, well, I guess I can buy a new one. Don't worry about it, McKenna. I'm already set in order for when we get out of hyperspace. It's the Heroes Journal at theheroesjournal.co. That's the one. Do you, do you think Alice will like me more now that he took mine? Yeah, McKenna, I think you made a real breakthrough. Not. But hey, look, they have an adventure themed one and a magic school themed one. Ooh, sign me up, especially for the magic one. <laughs> And that was awesome. What'd you guys think of that? It was pretty good, good right? It. Yeah, it I enjoyed it. Damn good. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was awesome. Uh, that was a fun commercial to make, too. Yeah, it was. It really so, was. So, again, that's the Heroes Journal, and you can find them at heroesjournal.co, not .com, .co, to learn more. Um, and, yeah, it's going to make you productive and the hero of your journey. And um, season one's done, guys. It's been really exciting. Really, really exciting. I, I don't know about you guys, uh, but what are you guys thinking so far? As you know, well, well, <laughs> I think everyone's <laughs> it's hard to we're doing this online, and so it's hard to see who's looking at who. You sound like you're gonna um, cry again. Well, I'll go first. Wow, um, because McKenna's no longer with us, and 
I think I did cry in that moment. I think there was some real tears that, and I think Nathan cried a little bit too, which or got a little emotional. <laughs> um, but from beginning to end, it was just an amazing season. Um, I felt like there was maybe not friendship forming, but a not hatred for each other forming, um, which was exciting. And just to see the different character growth um, among all of us was really cool. And I think like probably the quietest character, but the one that had some of the coolest growth was Clive. Um, and just seeing like there started to become some purpose to Clive and what he was doing at the end when there wasn't much in the beginning. Um, so that was fun to see. I'd love to hear your thoughts on your development, Sam. Um, well, first off, I thought I thought the season was extremely exciting. I thought, you know, I wasn't I don't think any of us expected it to go where it did. And it seemed like every session that we recorded, it just went off, not off the rails, but just took a wide left turn. And it always the journey, the road always ended up somewhere fantastic. And um, for Clive, I, you know, he, he, he was pretty quiet. Not, I wouldn't say he was quiet. He was, he was a little more reserved. Yes. During season one, um, he does still have a lot of trust issues and McKenna and Atlas were, uh, very, very different, uh, He's people, saying very on opposite ends of the spectrum. It's <laughs> fair. Um, but he he definitely has uh, i would say he has grown quite a bit i mean he has opened up a little bit more to the two of them um and he's kind of explored you know some other things that he he enjoys uh since he kind of woke up and didn't know any anyone of anything about himself uh really so um i think there's still a long a long a quite a long journey of self-discovery ahead but i think he he's definitely on the right path and um if I was Clive, I would say I don't think he regrets the journey at all up until this point. Like up until this point, as in up until the dropping of a dreadnought on an entire city? <laughs> I don't know. I guess you'll have to watch or listen to season two to find out. <laughs> oh, you're going to do me dirty like that? Come on, man. Mm -hmm. uh, I'd say for yeah, season one, it was... Honestly, definitely a kind of like what everyone said though is definitely a journey. Um, one thing is just like a player too though. It was definitely a really good time, and also I think as everyone kind of knows, just like reconnecting with my brother and also um, someone I met a long time ago, and uh, so it's just um, and me. Oh I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> i wasn't trying to leave you out it was, it was more just i kind of just grouped you and i did together i'm not a brother yeah that's true though. <laughs> <laughs> um but no it's definitely been great uh, especially just kind of i think everyone or like audience can understand that Everybody has kind of things they go through in life and everything like that. So it's definitely a good escape. And also, if anyone likes like fantasy things or anything of that sort, um, it kind of gets your mind off of kind of all the negative stuff. So definitely a great experience. 
I had to thank my group for that. Um, now, to, as Atlas, it's more just the... I think the... Atlas obviously went through a bunch throughout the campaign. Um, having to deal with McKenna for most of it. And then... Uh, Clive. Never really had an issue with Clive, so I mean, that... There was never really any butting heads too often. But I think the big thing, obviously, as if everyone listens, obviously has listened to the most recent or the season finale, was that, yeah, Alice is going to be going through a lot of like mental, I think, mental or emotional, either growth or going down. So, um, yeah, it's kind of just up in the air right now, kind of what's going to happen with Atlas after obviously the thing that he's been trying to search for and one of his big missions is kind of he's gotten some answers but then also some pretty uh big changes as everyone knows but i'm just looking forward to obviously season two kind of seeing what's going to happen uh character growth for everybody uh Courtney's new character see how she or he fits in like the big party so it'll be a good experience Hmm. yeah i'm looking forward to to all of that and actually i feel like everyone in season one got a little bit of a taste of their background like without the full answers um for any of them and it's gonna be really interesting to see what you guys pursue um because to me i think when i run this yeah it's a little bit of a show for people who are watching but for us, when we're playing, everything is happening like an actual D&D game. Mm -hmm. And it's a bit unrealistic to try and, well, I could try and railroad your guys' story, each of your individual backstories into the game. Um, or you guys could pursue them individually as the pieces are put up there. Mm -hmm. um, and it's gonna be interesting to see like what things maybe you guys let go, what you guys chase after. Um, but it's all kind of gonna be there, you know, at the peripheries. And sometimes you'll cross paths and it'll seem like a stronger direction. But uh, yeah, I'm pretty, pretty excited. So. Um, Wait, I'd love to know your thoughts on the campaign. My thoughts as a, yeah, uh, it was really fun. It was a big learning experience for me. It's it's much different to podcast a, a game or, or to, yeah, definitely to podcast a game than it is to just plain one. Cause one, you don't have like the site, like the medium of sight. Everything has to be kind of like spoken to auditorily wise. So you have to remember to like make that come through well. Mm -hmm. And then trying to like learn to like change your language a little bit. So there's a little bit less ums and likes and yas. Uh, so that's, that was one thing that was really interesting on like, just like a technical level, but it was really fun. I enjoyed all of your characters. I was really sad about what happened to McKenna you cried, Courtney, and it hurt me a lot to have that happen. Actually, it's no G no DM wants that to actually happen because it's like ah, because like you didn't just put all that work into your character. Mm -hmm. I feel like I tied a lot of things in as well, and it was like, dang it, there's this whole part that's gone, but it leaves way for something new and and beautiful to to go on. Um, I think what was especially hard about McKenna dying is it wasn't just McKenna; it was Cisa too. Mm. And, like, the combination of them dying at the same time, like, the intent of McKenna stepping in front of the assassin bot was so that Cecil wouldn't die. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. And then he still died. Um, Tragedy. Yeah. 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 And I felt bad doing that because I tried to take on like what would what would these NPCs or monsters do? And Assassin Bot was definitely trained on Seaside. And so once it took care of you, dispatched you, you were no longer a threat. That was its next target. So on and so forth. But yeah, I thought it was I thought it was good. Um, the from the beginning of starting off with a very slow beginning on uh, Titan one to spending quite a few episodes searching for the Sunmaker to moving, getting our first guest character on. It, it all was seamless and I think it can be replicated well. And and more than that, you guys just told a beautiful story. And mm. uh, so that, that's my thoughts on a, on a broad, broad scope, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, since season one is done, I can't promise that none of the characters or story elements are gonna come up again. Like you guys might pursue them or whatever, but I will put this out here. If I feel like I can answer it, I will. So if you have any questions about season one, you know, that you're just dying to know, I will I will see what I can do about sharing answers. I have a question. Oh, here it is. And it's a question I've been wanting to ask for quite a while. What did I miss in the temple? <laughs> oh, what did you miss in the temple? Oh, treasure. It's all the way back on Ninoy, right? Like way in the beginning. Yeah. And then you completely blasted it shut. I destroyed yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. Because I was upset. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. He doesn't want to tell you. Uh, but that means it has something to do with season two. Mm. Or that it could. Like if we went yeah, back I, there. Yeah, the thing is, is you blew the entrance shut, but you didn't necessarily destroy the whole temple inside. So if you went back searching for more clues, I don't think I I don't think I could tell you. I think the, the most is what you kind of already know was just that like the Sunmaker was a part of the Shrine Cross and that there were elements of the Shrine Cross that either he brought in or were already like tied to it. So, you know, you can take your brain and let it let it run free with that. Mm-hmm. But it was a bummer that you missed so much. Like I've never had such a fail of an uh, episode. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> I've never had such a fail of an episode. <sighs> that's an award. I think that's a season award. Dun, da, da, da. Worst failed episode goes to Clive Jensen. <laughs> <laughs> thank you thank you well if we're going if we're going uh, down that i got i got a fun game if we're doing that okay all right all right who do you guys think had the most criticals rolled criticals oh, of the group alice uh i don't think i rolled any actually that's like over 20 right it's like for for attacks just for no, attacks? Just straight, like nat 20s Oh, Nat 20s. Oh, Nat 20s. Oh, oh. Alice. Probably mm. me. I usually get a Nat 1 or Nat 20, so. <laughs> so. Yeah, I would yeah. probably say Atlas too. Yeah, that's that's where my, that's where I'm pretty sure that's what it was. Okay, who who do you guys think had the most critical fails? Me. Me. It was definitely me. <laughs> also Atlas. <laughs> I think it was McKinney. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Uh, is it, uh, 
I think it was. I think I it also was wrote Regina, two Nat ones in a row. I remember two. You, you, That's and true. Sam did that in the same episode. Though, oh I think. Yeah. yeah. That that is true. That might be the biggest fail, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how do you roll? How do you roll two Nat ones yeah. in a row? That yeah, that that, uh, yeah. that was that was pretty bad. Thinking about like the probability uh, um, of that is so low, especially in such an important yeah, moment. I didn't. I don't know who it was. I don't know the answer to any of these. These are just like our best guesses. But my guess was tied somewhere between McKenna and Clive on that one. If it's McKenna yeah, and Clive, right. I feel like McKenna, like McKenna, like failed a lot, a lot. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. If she got. She didn't really get mad <laughs> once though. She just rolled super low, often. It was like, yeah, it was always like super low rolls. It was like five. So what I'm three. hearing is that I need a new set of die. Yeah, that's what I do. So I have yes. like six. I have six d20s, and then if one rolls me like bad once, <laughs> I'm, it's done. <laughs> Throwing it away. Yeah. Nathan's that guy who walks around in the alley with the like trench coat on. He's wearing no <laughs> clothes underneath, but he's like, hey. You want a pair of dice? He just <laughs> opens it up. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yes. All right. All right. Oh, dice. This dealer. one's a no-brainer. Most kills. Oh, McKenna. Mm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Definitely Alice. I would say that would have to be yeah, Atlas. Mm. Atlas. I think it's because mm-hmm. I like one-shot a bunch of like small mobs before. He does like cleaving things yeah, in yeah, two. And, and he just enjoys to kill things. Whereas, like, I feel like Clive does it and he's good at it. And McKenna doesn't like it and doesn't do it. Definitely Alice. Okay, I got two more. Yeah, I'm pretty pretty sure you could see a, a slight smirk on Atlas's mm-hmm. face every time he... No, it's not that Atlas enjoys... It's not that Atlas enjoys killing. It's just the... I think it's just the... Uh, like that warrior mentality it's like it's like the just that inner competition is or like the strong like whoever is basically seeking to be the strong like if anyone's seen like baki and stuff too it's like whoever wants to be like the strongest mm. in a sense or like that goal in the universe i mean yeah <laughs> in this case <laughs> hey hey you gotta you you gotta believe you're something before you are something yes exactly. that's true all right for this i got two more two more for this little game here most most uh, attacks taken. Like, well, it depends. Like, like, are we counting spells and? Yeah, we're we, we're counting we're counting spells and like spell attacks and attacks. I still think it's Alice, like but only because I think that my my one of my like my one shot and stuff. There's a lot of fighting, mm-hmm. and then Alice, I think, it only hits first before talking. Okay, I have one. Wait, we're still we're still, we're still on the Sorry, question. We're still on the question. I would I would actually I would actually say Clive oh, and only because of his one skill that allows yeah, him to hit that's true. horde breaker multiple yeah, guys. Yeah, that's yep. true. Actually, I'd say yeah. Actually, Clive would it would be Clive. Is he multi? Be Clive. But if what if it wasn't if it wasn't for that, then definitely definitely Atlas. And the very last one is which character ate the most on-screen mills? Oh. Alice. <laughs> what? As in, like, oh, wait, someone I would was... show up and say, please, you mean the... we'll talk. Oh, Do you want oh, birthday McKenna. cake? McKenna. But I was thinking of 
Sorry, this is totally an insult to you, Nathan. <laughs> but I was thinking of like the person who's running out to get Grubhub really right. quick. <laughs> that's that's kind of where I thought you were going. Oh, yeah, we can, <laughs> even if we count the time that Atlas ate the priest's 34's head. In, oh, I, well, Atlas, the oh. head, that serpent sushi stuff. Um, McKenna I mean, did. It's only been twice, though. She like requested times. food. And she ate food that was there. McKenna, McKenna was eager to eat. McKenna's never turned down a single meal no. ever offered. <laughs> Neither has Courtney. <laughs> <laughs> okay, which character had your jaw on the floor the most? Like, oh shit, biased. I can't believe they just did that. What? I said I was going to be I? super biased about it. So, I, <laughs> yeah, you can vote. Too. Can I weigh in? I honestly, for me, it was McKenna. Really? Yeah, McKenna did a lot yeah, of crazy shit. I was, I was going to say. I mean, because of McKenna, we joined a. Pack. Oh yeah, that is true. We had a lot of big, big like story I mean, things that happened because of McKenna. Like that wouldn't have happened originally. Because even like when um when we're in Annoy, when mm -hmm. basic only reason Atlas basically got that planet in a sense was because mckenna wanted to bring up the uh um the what was it the ritual of, oh uh, the law of choice yeah law of choice she, oh, she yeah. brought it up so that's why alice <laughs> got a planet well he gave it over to the acers but i forgot yeah so actually i'd say mckenna oh, actually when i'm thinking about because like a lot of story stuff happened that was not the answer i was expecting <laughs> <laughs> yeah i was gonna say because yeah because then yeah you got a planet yeah. going to pact Adopted got a, a, got a child, yeah. Adopted a kid, yeah. <laughs> yeah, McKenna was really a... She was a force. Really a focal point of our journey. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I loved McKenna. Hi, guys. It's Isaac here, just stopping in to give you a quick interruption, and I promise I'll keep it quick. So, as we mentioned earlier, look down in the description and you'll find a link to our first official season one giveaway for a Loki battle map, the big book of dungeons volume two. You can find beautiful lava uh, maps. You can find beautiful sea maps, castle ruins, so many different things. And you too can play your games on the similar maps that we use. Okay. But a little bit more information on that. So the link in order to enter, you are going to have to go to the link there and that's going to take you to our social media page. So that's one way you win is you go to our Instagram through that link and you give our Instagram a follow. But if you already are a follower of ours on Instagram or you want to get one extra bonus entry, there is a link in the description of the giveaway that will redirect you to our emailing list. Go to our emailing list, sign up. And in the emailing list, you will find at the bottom of your first newsletter, a big button that you can click to get one extra entry. Or again, if you're not on social media or you already follow us on social media, you can click that to get an entry. And there will be three winners. One winner will win the Loki product. The other two will win some cool Starlight souvenirs that we've created over this season. And then I have one last announcement. We are officially ready to announce when we will be coming back on air with season two. So that starts October 12th and will go on at the normal cadence that this show has been. 
The show will be perfect for new listeners to jump in at, especially as we have honed in our craft. The sound quality is phenomenal. And best of all, we already have episodes ready all the way through December. So my plate is a little bit less full, um, and I am very excited about that. But if you want to share the show and give people a a nice cohesive place to start, that's going to be a good place and time. So, alrighty, enough of this guy. Why don't we jump back into the Q&A? So the, the arc of season one is initially you all are like looking for the Sunmaker character, Atlas, because he's tasked with getting the Neuralink back. Um, something to do with how this, likely how the Sunmaker seems to live in forever in a way and evade things. Uh, Clive, because of the relation to the Shrine Cross and the kind of her personal relationship. But you guys got information to that that the, the Sunmaker basically was the next part of the member of the triumvirate, like elected to be, and that's the closest you guys got. Mm-hmm. How how do you guys feel about the story itself of like, okay, this was the goal. We went through all of these hoops to get there. And some of it was kind of like, I know that uh, the the arc in Nanoi was starting to get a little painfully long for some of us. Um, and well, okay, I might just be talking about it for me. <laughs> I don't mean that I don't mean that negatively, but like, you know, it, yeah. it's just like as any investigation arc goes. Sometimes mm-hmm. like if you spend a lot of time in one spot, it can feel long. And then you guys finally get to in duel after all of that and it all gets destroyed. How are you guys feeling about that? What are your thoughts on that? Um personally, I enjoy it. I I enjoyed it, and I'm not upset that you know it ended the way that it did. However, I I won't lie. I do wish we could have actually met him, like for me and for Clive, because that was I mean that was the big his his biggest lead you know for his whole story, and we blew it up. <laughs> just just everything. Like he he was in the guts of where he needed to be to pretty much find out, you know, anything that he possibly could. And like that, it, it was just gone. (laughs) So he's a little shattered. I won't lie. He's, he's like, he does feel quite disappointed. Um, but for me, I thought it was great. You know, I thought it was, it was a perfect representation of exactly what D and D is. Mm -hmm. And I, I just, I think it was a lot of fun. Yeah, I think like oh, go ahead. No, you're good. I think I felt okay about it, Courtney. I think McKenna also felt okay about it. Like she got closure on where her friend was. He didn't seem to be suffering, and he seemed content. Um, and so I think that was like she didn't ask him where he was when she did talk to him, and it was just closure enough for her to know. Okay, here's where you are. Um, and and to know that he has fully left Nagubu was very, um, gave her a lot of closure as well. And so I think as disappointing as it was not to physically get to him, I felt like she got to connect with him in a way that gave her closure. Hmm. Um, 
Obviously, Atlas with his mission, he failed because he didn't get his, didn't get the gnarly. That was destroyed, most likely. Well, hmm. unknown. Obviously, he didn't search the rubble. Um. Also, didn't get to finish the mission for Boris or Astrid. Just destroyed the whole city. <laughs> uh, Boris's <laughs> mistress is like likely dead. Likely dead. Yeah. Um, I didn't think of that. Then I'd say like I don't know I, like um, the the whole creature or the monster thing kind of really took over Alice's uh, goal or mission in that sense when it was introduced. So I don't know that kind of took over in a sense. So I don't think he's really too worried about Sunmaker. The, like minor missions for Astrid and Boris. Um, now the big thing is too is like how it ended though is definitely kind of like uh, Sam said is that he's definitely pretty broken from the whole thing. So where's he got to? I am kind of sad though that yeah because the funny thing is McKenna and Alice always butted heads on uh, the Sun Maker and what was going to happen with them. So. That's kind of a bummer that didn't happen. Like, to see if McKenna and Alice would fight each other, or like what the had happened with the group if like that was introduced to the kind of like introduced to everything. Um, that would have been either funny or serious or heartbreaking, whatever. Um, it but. would have been heartbreaking because McKenna would have kicked her ass. <laughs> 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 I don't believe so, but. Okay. Uh huh. Hey, I just want to do a little teaser that I think my new character actually could kick your ass. I don't think so. Just... Oh, I think she could. No, no, no in, a, in a meta, like I'm thinking, I'm thinking full meta right now, right? In a full meta, she can't do sneak attack. Oh. Well. Oh, she can. Nathan, Nathan's signaling we're not going there. You hear that? Well, we're gonna. No, my big thing is that's that season two. Yeah, that's. <laughs> Spoiler well, alert. I was, I was like, kind of giving a teaser. I said that. But no, she would lose. You know that. You no, know no. what people do when they're across the dinner table and they're like putting their hands <laughs> at their necks to try to get you to shut up, and you don't shut up. That's exactly what just happened between Nathan and I. <laughs> uh, well. Maybe your characters will fight and we'll have like a full on Marvel Civil War. I look forward to that. I, I'm telling you, Alice won't lose. That's a thing. He might. Yeah, Clive's not going to take sides See? on that. You already lost it. Yeah. <laughs> no, but. Well, I, I feel like. Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, you're good. I was just going to say, I feel like uh, part of my goal was accomplished in trying to. In, in experimenting with three characters who have no connection prior to the game and coming together, I feel like two of them have come together and one is deceased. And now we're starting over with the new one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but they, before she deceased, they kind of came together. Yeah, but I think that McKenna's yeah. death and everything actually probably tied Atlas and Clive together more than anything. Yeah, this is kind mm -hmm. of more of a common... Yeah, I would say so. Common grief in a sense. I would... I would and yeah, and I would definitely say Clive def had maybe not so much on the surface, but he definitely had, you know, some sort of connection and 
relationship with McKenna. I mean, they did dance. And they danced beautifully. Right. That is true. Okay, remind me of the character's name um, that was hiding the Sunmaker's information. Uh, Which one? Depends. Oh, Gorn? Dwindle. Oh, Dwindle. I was going to say, that's what I thought with Dwindle? Dwindle. That's what I want to know. You said we could ask you anything. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, you want to know what happened to him or, like, what's your question was like, I guess? I want to know what happened to Dwindle and what was, like, his full role. Hmm. Well, okay. Let's see. I think I can give some, some information on that. So, Dwindle was a tiefling that the Sunmaker had made for him. Because in the setting, tieflings are um, kind of, like... They can kind of take the form of anything. They're kind of grown in a vat uh, by the Asmodeus Corp. Okay. And um, so he was kind of grown as like a, like a, more like a bot, like a created servant in a way for the Sunmaker. But the Sunmaker always treated him well. And Dwindle's whole thing was to watch over uh, the temple and everything that happened that like, that was going on in Nanoi and to make sure that everything that the Sunmaker had started was kept going and kept in a, in a good uh, state, as well as like a an emergency person that the Sunmaker could always contact if something were going wrong. Um, so that was kind of Dwindle's role. And, and I guess- Wait, can I ask one question there? Yeah. What was with the childhood books and stories? Oh, uh, so that was actually so that that was actually just a clever way of like hiding them. But nobody's gonna oh. steal or take the childhood books, most likely, and they're not gonna think that they're maps. Mm -hmm. So it was just kind of like the cover for Got it. it. Um, I also like to think though that so Dwindle and Gorn are two different beings. Gorn is made to look like Dwindle, but Gorn is a synth that uh, Dwindle had made. So it's kind of, so a, a, an artificial or created being had an artificial being made and synths are cheaper and easier to make less, like they're, they're easier to make untrackable. Mm -hmm. um, so for, I don't wanna go too far into this, but for reasons of his own, the more time that Dwindle spent apart from the Sunmaker, the more he started to wonder, like, why am I doing this? Mm -hmm. Why am I keeping this city that the Sunmaker, the Sunmaker did care about the city mm -hmm. and did care about the original, like, people that he brought to live there, invited to live there. Um, and the Sunmaker felt very strongly about it not being attached to the Triumvirate because the Triumvirate and the Federation had so hurt the cultures of Loxodon and mm. had suppressed, had uh, given so much authority to the reveries to suppress different religions and ways of thinking. Mm -hmm. um, but the further Dwindle spent apart from the Sunmaker, he's, he, start to, he started to get curious about the greater universe at large and about his freedom. Uh, and so he had Gorn made as a way to like basically the same way that Dwindle was to the Sunmaker, Gorn was to Dwindle, except Gorn had no idea that he wasn't Dwindle. Oh. Uh, while Dwindle was off planet and spent time exploring and learning and kind of gathering, getting his own information. And as for like 
the details of that. I'm not going to go into that, but he basically had just gotten back to Nanoi as you guys arrived. Um, Got it. Yeah. Interesting. And he, he picked up some interesting idiosyncrasies while he was out. Okay. Hmm. That is really interesting to know. And it's interesting because like just having interacted with Dwindle and Gorn and not knowing the connection exactly between them adds interesting context to that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I try. I yeah, try. Well done. <laughs> Which is so like, if you remember, that's why, that's why uh, when like Dwindle set up the, um, oh, I'm forgetting forgetting the name Zakar. Zakar was the mm. um the Kinku junker who lived closer to the middle part of the planet of Thela and Dwindle had set up a artificial memory in Gorn that if you're ever coerced basically or told that or like someone who's basically not the sunmaker or me tells you like or gets you to go to the ship to get information he he planted a false memory that the ship was at zakar's mm. and zakar and dwindle were close and dwindle basically paid zakar and so when when gorn took you guys there zakar knew you guys weren't like authorized people to get the ship okay. and just it was like a setup trap and so Ugh. he wiped gorn's memory as he was told with the synth reset code and bada boom, bada bing, the rest is history. Is there a way to unwipe a sense memory? Like get the information back? Yeah. Yeah, actually, yeah. How do you do it? So the, uh, it, would e it would either be like a long process of interfacing roles and that would be done through a skill challenge. Um, and I'd probably have a threshold of like what your intelligence needed to be if you were gonna just do that like cold turkey. Otherwise, there's items called metanomic editors, and a metanomic editor can be used to fabricate or change memories. Could that work on five? Maybe, um, but you would need to know. You you would need to know like what the past was, oh. or you would need to at least be able to identify where where something's been changed. Sorry, Clive, I can't help with that. <laughs> well, not necessarily, because he has had, you know, that, that vision with the orc. Maybe that would maybe that That's would trigger true. something. That no? is true. Was it dreams? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. Okay, that's a question though, Oops. because you haven't been around because you've been busy and we've all been dying to know how you how you feel about all of the like trauma induced visions that Clive has had. Um, well, they're definitely shocking, I will say. Um, the, the one, he's had a couple, one of them you get, you guys will, uh, get to experience later on, but the one with the half work, I would say was, was probably a really big turning point, uh, for him because he could finally put a, a face to you know whatever he was chasing after um whether it be the shrine cross or you know whatever the case may be um so it kind of just gave him 
uh, it kind of made him feel not crazy, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like there is actually something going on because up until that point, he had, he was just having weird emotional spasms, and really there was no explanation for it. And not that the, the dreams are an explanation for it, but at least it confirms to him that there really is something going on because he's a very logical, like step by step kind of thinker, and so having that um having something physical like that happen makes him feel uh like he can actually you know achieve his goal and find out who he is um for me i guess i would say they're a lot more brutal than than i thought i mean (laughs) clive clive was obviously some kind of you know, war machine and, and whatever past that he has, but I, I, I guess because if I, if I was having those dreams, I, I don't know how I would be able to handle them. I mean, I think the only reason that Clive hasn't like completely broken down is because he's, you know, he's artificial, but in any, anybody else, I feel like they would kind of lose their minds a little bit. And so then I started thinking, well, you know, what if, that's you know what if that's what happened what if there was some you know crazy traumatic experience that was just so uh impactful that he basically just like reset Mm -hmm. and then ended up waking up on you know the battlefield so i feel like whereas there hasn't been a whole lot of information revealed quite yet on you know who he is and where he can't come from i feel like the dreams have definitely opened up a lot of uh different pathways that it could take and it's definitely going to help me to kind of build a little bit more on uh, clive's backstory and who he is mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. i'm so curious about clive <laughs> i love that you gave me yeah too much control of his backstory I mean, I gave you some control. I kind of laid out some groundwork and you kind of ran with it. And it just what was ran really, really far. And it was kind of what awesome. was the groundwork? Was it like he's a synth and I don't know his past or was there more? No, no. I mean, it was because obviously if he's waking up, you know, in a destroyed ship on a battlefield, right? He something happened for him mm-hmm. to get there. And then having the connection with Horus, not really knowing who he is but having some inkling that they've met somewhere in the past um and then being somehow ending up on the the prison planet you know he's had to have some had to have had to have some crazy crazy story right. to get up to that point so um and then after that i mean isaac kind of filled in the blanks and it's turned into you know it's turned into what it is so now. to clarify your your parameters were he woke up on a battlefield in a ship. He's in prison now, and he's a synth. I mean, <laughs> it. Yeah, in simple, you're in like, simple terms. Yeah. Isaac, go ahead and run with it. <laughs> it's obviously turned out pretty well, though. Yeah, pretty much. Everything, everything's mm-hmm. been yeah, pretty fascinating, I mean, and then obviously now that's kind of like built out some. Obviously, with you and Isaac working together on it and stuff, and Isaac kind of creating the choices almost in a sense of where you want to pursue so pretty interesting here's mm-hmm. on what's going to happen next also i'm curious if clive's going to betray the party still 
Yeah, Clive really. <laughs> I don't think he has any. Well, maybe I don't think he has any reason yeah, to. I don't think it's maybe anymore after the whole packed incident. But I, I could have sworn he was going to. I could have sworn he was going to betray himself with like the pact. Mm-hmm. He was way too buddy buddy with these people. I was just like, what the heck? They were sins. No? Well, <laughs> they were they were as far as he knew they were they were. Oh, I don't want to say his people, but I mean between. Knowing that they're synths, and then between the dream with the orc, and then you you're on a ship full of synths and orcs. <laughs> you just like the I way mean, the guy touched your neck. But what was his name? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's really what it was. You know those emotional responses I was talking about earlier. It's like a what? No, it, he Clyde was never his. He never had the intention to betray the, the team. He had to betray, He had the intention to. Because he's he's a survival, he, you know, he's a survivalist. He's he had to have been up until, you know, the point that we were at. Um, so becoming buddy buddy with, you know, the synths and the half orcs just seemed like the best way to survive in that situation. Plus, he knew that that was mm-hmm. his lead, you know, to kind of find out some information. Mm-hmm. And he's he was he was going to do a lot better getting that information if he, you know try to be part of them than if he were oh, to yeah. try to fight mm-hmm. them. Hmm. Okay. What was everyone's favorite moment in the whole season? I actually have a couple. I would say one, the dancing with McKenna, because that was just really cool. I just that whole picturing that whole scene and the, the work that went into that and the audio work and stuff. That was really, really cool. Um, the fight, the fist fight that Atlas got into on the ship. (laughs) That was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, that was, that was really, really cool. Um, and then I would probably say like, not to be cheesy and say, you know, the final episode was the coolest, but honestly, the way that the heaven scene at the very, very end, that was just phenomenal. I mean, I, I was kind of getting emotional during that whole thing and i was definitely feeling my you know my emotions rise and everything and i to be able to do that through just you know uh a story like this and just through audio work i think that was just incredible hmm. well done yorks and whoa, whoa, whoa. sorry and between like the two of you it it played out so well between uh your rp uh, courtney and the way isaac had it set up that I, it honestly felt like you guys had been planning that for a mm. while. We weren't. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that that's that's how good I thought it was. Mm. Yeah. Well, I mean, but like, thank you. And also, though, all those moments, again, were all like character-led things, though. Mm-hmm. So those were just, those were your guys' story, and I had the honor to design the sound to it and follow along with what you guys wanted to do. I think uh, Sam forgot one though was uh, when he uh, we were inside the warehouse or whatever, and then shot through the. Uh... Oh. Oh yeah. That was bad. That was. That shot was through what was it? Cool. The mass driver. Yeah. Yeah. That was intense. Yeah. And it was pointing that at was... McKenna, wasn't it? Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. No, that was awesome. See, there were just too many good moments. Yeah, definitely a lot of those. 
That was that moment was single-handedly when, when Clive, because that was when right after he had leveled up and got his stuff, and really got the the stuff that made him start to feel like kind of like this more like gunslinging, uh, sci-fi character. And mm-hmm. you went from wimp to hero <laughs> in that moment. <laughs> hey, sometimes that's all it takes. Oh, oh, actually, can I can I jump in now with a. Uh, mm-hmm. It's maybe not my favorite moment, moment, but it's one of the funniest moments. Um, in the last episode, <laughs> Sam, I, I'm sorry to do this to you, buddy. <laughs> yeah, I already know where this is going. Sam uh, looks so serious. You, well, what's the spell you cast that has like the the vines come out and grab on? Uh, entangle. No, it's a uh... ensnaring strike. Snaring strike. Okay, so yeah. I you you were describing it, and you said you said the T to thorny vines super fast, so it sounds for a second like a mass of horny vines. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, oh, we are on that hentai stuff right now. Starlight after dark. <laughs> oh man. I was like, I don't know where those vines Excellent. are sticking. Like, but I mean, do you want to do you want to oh. clear this up? Are they thorny vines, or are we gonna stay with a, is Clive's I, brand horny I, vines? <laughs> I I think uh, I think they're I'm pretty sure they're thorny vines. They're they're only horny vines when he's with that elder gal from uh from uh what planet was that that we were on? Annoy. Annoy. Rescued Tisa. Yes. Okay, I think. Boy, so a quick question. Hmm. Whose character made the most bloopers for the season? I vote Clive. Clive. Oh, definitely. (laughs) 100%. (laughs) Okay, I think my favorite moments, I'm going to answer my own question here, if we don't mind. Um, There's a few. So adopting Sisa and like that whole thing was probably number one. And like who Sisa was in terms of like, the reference of the whole story and that was just really interesting to me um there was a moment where mckenna shrunk a monster and that made it so that atlas could kill it and i was like oh yeah i did that um and so that was cool i loved dancing with clive and i probably my favorite moment um is when mckenna was reunited with the ship and got to see page um and just like this sweet moment of like reuniting with her past um and so i think all of my favorite moments are like sentimental moments um which is totally me too (laughs) um yeah yeah you're 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 you are a story-driven player i am i am oh and as, as i hated the ending but it was so beautiful and such a good closure to make henna to step in front of the assassin bot um it was exactly like, like redemption yeah it was totally redemption um even though Cisa died too it was like a good it, it felt like she didn't stick up for her daughter or take her daughter out of a situation that was horrible but she got to stick up for Cisa in a way that she couldn't for yeah. her daughter yeah and she could say she tried totally yeah. and that's a lot more than I mean, don't get me wrong. There are many parents who can say that about that they they tried, you know, the best to take care of their kids. But 
there are plenty who can't. Mm -hmm. And McKenna got to say she tried. Yeah. Yeah. And it was likely Seesaw was going to try and go after Carice at some point or another. So Mm -hmm. his best shot was probably with you guys more than anything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Alrighty. I think my favorite moments kind of going in chronological order. Well, maybe. Um, would be one was the one shot episode with that monster um, that came out the ground and he had like his whole like Hercules moment kind of thing. Um, mm-hmm. I'd say another one. Another one would be. Uh, come on. I had it in my head just a second ago. It was the moment where. Oh, yeah. And we're still on Annoy, and I got I got that planet. <laughs> I remember that. I wanted to like just take it for Atlas, but I was like, Atlas does not want to be like having to deal with all the paperwork and politics and all that stuff. <laughs> yeah, because he would have been looped in on if he got if he took it for himself, he would have been looped in and, and legally liable for so much. Yeah, so he just gave it to somebody that's used to running a lot of stuff and earn some himself some brownie points and serve his family um the next one i'd say would be i say probably actually too when uh he the fight well i'm not going in chronological order anymore but yeah the fight the little fire in the gym we were with the pact did enjoy that. Plus, it was just like a moment where Alice was not mentally like stable. So it kind of, I don't know, it was, it gave him a way to blow off steam and made sense in this with how the guy was, Alice being prideful in a sense, and then also not being stable. And then the guy just kind of egging him on. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not going to say it's my favorite moment either, but the, oh, also biting the head off the guy when Alice like came back, like, dang didn't come from the grave almost in a sense but kind of like if visualizing the whole scene was almost like basically dead but then just <laughs> wakes up as like just as a beast and then yeah just bites it all didn't he have two out of three though like he had rolled two death yeah yeah so, so it was, yeah, yeah. It, was, it was basically yeah coming from the dead and he uh yeah that was a really cool moment for me and then this is the one that wasn't, I don't think it was really my, really like a favorite, I'd say. But like when he did turn into that monster, though, I don't think it was like, I don't, for Atlas, I don't enjoy the moment, obviously, because it's pretty uh, uh, psychologically damaging. But the, as a player, though, just knowing Atlas turned into this monstrosity, it just mat, like just annihilated everything around. And then. Mm-hmm. <laughs> had the ship falling down and like being this creature coming from the sky and all this it's <laughs> i will say it's a pretty epic moment though well i i'm glad to hear that that was one of your favorite parts because when we went out and got drinks after and some food you were pretty i think not to say you were mad at me but you weren't <laughs> happy with me for a second about that so now that you've had some time to like uh take that apart can you kind of walk me through like your thought process oh kind of like what we we talked about it a little i think but not like Mm -hmm. fully so for the audience actually um i don't know if this is too 
much or not. I'm not going to go into some parts of it because obviously who knows what's going to happen. Obviously, we can't pay him when you never know. But um, so initially for everybody, when we we're doing that episode as a player at Alice, when McKenna was having her whole like um, kind of like afterlife and um, after death moment. I could have sworn I, I was like I was a pretty emotional too that that was going to be Atlas also that same episode due to the, like what had happened. So obviously I was getting emotionally prepared for it and then it didn't happen. And then I think mm-hmm. it just shocked me. And I was just like, oh, what? And then because I, I had already kind of like been like, OK, this is. If this happens, then I'm going to try to do this. And then this will be kind of the character because I already had like, I was like, okay, I got to figure out what I'm doing in a sense. Um, And so I think when I like emotionally and then like had everything prepared in my head, it was just like, nope. At first it shocked me. So I think that's where kind of maybe the slight uh, frustration was in a sense, if that's what you would call it. Because I was more just, Mm -hmm. it wasn't like that I was mad that my character didn't die in a sense. Because that's, not trying to have atlas die but it's i think it's just because of everything i prepared emotionally and mentally at that point i was just like oh what was the point of me like going through all this like thinking about all this <laughs> stuff um but then after obviously i thought about it for a while it's like isaac and i have sat down too kind of like talking about like atlas's for season two kind of what else is going to kind of pursue um possible outcomes possible like um journeys and uh so yeah, um, yeah, the frustration's gone. I'm not really. It was pretty much gone not too long after. It was just for that like initial time afterwards. I was just like, what the heck? <laughs> um, yeah, especially if you thought you died, and I was like, all right, game over after doing that for McKenna. It's like, <laughs> what the heck, man? <laughs> yeah, but I'm excited for season two now with Atlas. So it's gonna be yeah definitely great. I hope the audience enjoys kind of like. The journey and change that Alice goes through. Hmm. Well, as we're since we are kind of like on this like tail end here, there is a good question then that what is for Sam or for Clive. Uh, it so Clive had to run obviously, and then everything happened. Finds out from Atlas McKenna is dead. Is there any amount of guilt that Clive harbors? in like you know in the sense of like he wasn't there for them like that he chose to run and he survived um where is clive with that mentally or is he just kind of maybe he doesn't feel anything at all um i would say he doesn't feel anything at all he is quite upset well not quite well yeah no he is quite upset that mckinnon died he did he was really starting to grow grow on her uh quite a bit through the those last few episodes um Guilt, on the other hand, no, because <laughs> no. Unf- as unfortunately, at the end of the day, Clive, he's like I said before, he's a survivalist. So running away, you know, was the smartest thing for him to do. Um, his thought process would have been, why, you know, why should we all die if you know one of us or two of us can escape, kind of thing. Um, so he did care because he did try to stay as long as he could to help you know help in the fight before it just got to be too overwhelming Mm -hmm. um but at the end of the day he uh was going to 
always do what he needed to do t- in order to survive. Okay. Um, I would say, yeah, I would say the biggest thing from that whole scene is kind of he feels like more than anything he just feels like he is now questioning his abilities after not being able to get the ship going (laughs) to make an escape i'm excited to see how Um, you bring that out yeah um because i he's you know he that's the one thing he does still like hold on to that he does know about himself is that he's supposed to be a good pilot um but he basically failed (laughs) and um because of that now you know who knows what's gonna happen um he fell out of the ship and everything was crashing down around him and then you know who knows Mm -hmm. so if anything he's feeling he's he's definitely feeling vulnerable um but he knows that he did the best that he could to help you know mckenna atlas in the fight and he's always just gonna try to survive number one Mm -hmm. well with that then there's kind of like a there's kind of like this morally ambiguous through line for this whole arc of season one. Not that you guys were bad guys, but you guys are all kind of finding your way from what seem like haunted pasts that have affected your presence. Mm-hmm. And so I would say there were like heroic moments, like on like a smaller level, maybe more internally, but not on like a larger scale. And in some ways, from a certain perspective, you guys kind of ended the campaign as that season one campaign as villains. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but I mean, there's an argument against that as well, but at the very least we can all agree it was morally ambiguous. Is this, is this a common theme that you guys think will run through the whole game for you guys? And you'll kind of like in the end be like the dark, like the, and this is all speculation, but like the dark night hero, like the, the hero that, you know, people deserve, but that they don't, you know, that they don't know about? Or do you guys hope to have a little bit more of a heroic uh, arc with your guys' characters? Oh. I kind of like the Dark Knight. <laughs> um, and that, yeah. that kinda, I don't think with Atlas and with my new character that will ever be like, the heroes um, that you're going to see on like on the hollow vids on yeah on the hollow vids or posters or whatever you're not that's not going to be us but i could see us being like the the like dark heroes yeah mm-hmm. what do you guys think what I think I definitely agree with that. Um, I don't see our characters ever going out of their ways to perform heroic deeds. Mm-hmm. It's just if they happen to be in situations where they end up acting heroic, I think that's definitely more mm-hmm. likely. Yeah. Um, because it's clear that we're all, whether we all do come together more as a group or not, we're all driven personally by some uh, story underneath our characters. And I think that's going to remain the main focus for all of us, unless, of course, some crazy D&D happenstance happens and for whatever reason it brings our characters all together, um, I think it's going to probably stay more like the Dark Knight. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah, definitely. I think our I think our party is like an anti-hero type of thing. It's like almost like I was just thinking actually of uh, the scene and Venom 
Um, it's been out for a long time. I'm not, I'm not talking about Venom 2 or whatever. I don't even know if that's out yet. But the uh, first one where he uh, it was like in the convenience store at the end or whatever. And obviously he's done a lot of good things and everything else. But at the same time, he eats some punk person or whatever. And just eats them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then, but he's talking all nicely to the uh, old lady that works at the guy, works there in convenience and just always polite helps her out he's also done obviously good things for society in a sense but also is not looked at as like a hero like spider-man or things like that so i feel like yeah we're definitely a i feel like we're definitely a uh anti-hero i almost want to say i don't know obviously about uh according to new character obviously i think clive's thing will kind of more come out with the longer the story comes in but um i feel like we're it's very chaotic in a sense because it's all kind of depending on what is affecting like the players emo like our characters emotions and stuff and also like what's driving mm -hmm. them in that that specific moment because it just changes yeah yeah well i'm excited to see how how that develops because ultimately you guys are gonna drive that and that's gonna be pretty fun mm -hmm. um and i think i'm I think we're getting close to the end unless people have more stuff but uh i do want to say sam you asked about the the temple and i've been thinking about what you missed in the temple that i could share and one thing for sure that i can share is that do you remember that rod that was supporting the room in the one of the far corners it was the equivalent of an immovable rod if you had if you had pressed the button it would have, there was a button in the center. If you had pressed it, it would have snapped down into a handhold size. The ceiling would have collapsed and you would have had to like do like a skill challenge to get out of the way of the rubble. But then you you would have an immovable rod. Hmm. Okay, that's not so bad. That's not as bad as I was thinking. Because I have a feeling with how I was rolling and that beat those few beginning sessions, I probably would have ended up dying <laughs> with the ceiling collapsing in on me. So I think I'm okay with that. Clive ends alternatively in the temple dead and no one can find him and he's just gone. Oh, that would yeah, be, be awful. That was so early on too. Yeah. McKenna and Atlas just come looking for him. They walk into the room and see him there next to the rod. <laughs> dead. <laughs> ceiling collapsed one, in on one gloved hand hanging out <laughs> but we get an immovable rod yeah that sounds pretty good <laughs> so you guys would trade trade clive no. for an immovable rod oh but i mean Ooh. if clive were to die getting an immovable rod and we saw him there with the immovable rod we definitely take the immovable rod okay okay yeah yeah i wouldn't take his guns or anything else <laughs> Uh, you guys are awful. You no, know, spit uh, on his body, kick him. No, a we bit. take yeah, the sure. We bury the body. I'd pull. I'd, I'd take one glove and go put it in a grave for him. Yeah, you seen Atlas? <laughs> he would eat the body. Wow. McKenna would bury the body <laughs> and make sure that Atlas didn't eat it. McKenna ain't burying nothing anymore. Oof, except herself. Oof. Ow, ow. That was rude. I just got, I'm getting punched. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying facts, spitting facts. But now we have, now we have a whole new season coming out. We so, do. Yeah, guys, it's it's been a real blast and a real treat, and I'm glad we could have the whole gang on. And there's so many things to look forward to. So, 
for those of you that are listening, thank you for joining in on this uh, episode. And before we close out, I want to give a super special thank you to the members of our Patreon. Right now we have James and Volcanic. You guys make this show go round. Today, we were able to pay for our hosting fees for Mm -hmm. our podcast. You guys have made that possible for it to be completely covered. And one of the things that we'll be looking to get eventually will be a better webcam. So that way, when we have people in and out of the studio having to watch from afar, they can actually see the what's going on a little bit better and have a little bit more autonomy, Um, as well as we'll just keep slowly putting together a better like audio system build. That way, Starlight sounds better and better. Um, so thank you guys. And if you want to check out the Patreon, you can find uh, that at Starlight. At, I think it's Patreon or starlight.patreon.com or something like that. But it's in the show notes below. Click on that. Make sure you check out the competition link to try and win a Loki battle mat. Share with your friends about it. And we look forward to having you guys uh, tuning in for season two. It's going to be a probably a couple of weeks until then, at the very least. But go and check out our social media, whether that's at our Twitter or at our Instagram um, to learn more. Uh, so, crew, thank you. And, well. See you later, spacers. Thank you for listening to this episode of Starlight. If you enjoyed this, Please like, share, subscribe. For early releases, exclusive RPG content, and other bonus material, check us out on Patreon at patreon.com starlightadventures. And to reach us for questions to be aired, email us at thestarlightadventures at gmail.com. See you next Tuesday, spacers. <laughs>